This is the Snowball Effect. I'm your host, Martin Snow. This week we'll be talking about cars and transportation. Joining us will be Brandon Reed and Matt Benley. So we skipped uh, last two weeks ago, we talked about health and fitness and dieting. And it was actually very interesting, but it I failed to record properly, so that did not go up. So today we are talking about transportation, cars, uh, and Brandon disconnected. <laughs> He's like, I'm out. I'm out. Screw this. His internet just went down. No. So he knows. So I'm I'm assuming he will get connected again here in a sec. So we're talking about cars, transportation, all sorts of transportation, but a lot about cars because that's mainly what we use in the United States. Because we have fast open areas that we have to cross and our public transportation sucks here in the United States. For the most part. It just depends where you're at. Where I'm at, there's really no public transportation, like in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I think in the cities, um, you know, here in the Bay Area, we have series. Welcome back. Welcome back, Brandon. Your microphone is mute, in case you didn't know. Sorry about that. Battery died. I was trying to move to a different location. No worries. Okay. So, y'all set up? Yeah, let's get this party started. Okay. So I was just doing a little intro while you were out. But yeah, so we're talking about international transportation versus United States transportation, which we're all uh, very familiar with, how how it differs. And obviously in the city, we have better public transportation than we do in um, Idaho. <laughs> Which yeah. is, I guess is also a city, but you know, in San Francisco Bay Area here, you have at least okay public transportation, but it's nothing. I've never been to Europe personally, but I do know that their public transportation is better than what we have here. Oh, uh, yeah, that's pr- primarily their their mode of transportation is public transportation. Yeah, or places like Japan, uh, like Tokyo. You know, it's not like high speed rail. Yeah, you don't need a car in those places. In the United States, you need a car. Like those people walk everywhere, man. Yeah, if you don't have a car in the United States, you're 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 you it creates staying at home. (laughs) Yeah. It creates heartache and uh obstacles. So barriers. The reason this topic actually came up is because I bought a car last week a used new to me used car that's can, can you screen share that uh i will in i will put it up when i i can edit it all right when i do all it right, edit but uh so everybody knows he's gonna put a wing on it so it looks faster <laughs> that adds 500 horsepower it well, does i don't it have does. it on my computer so i can't just screenshot it yeah. right now but um I will in the future. Okay, I can put it in. It's uh, it's not. It's a, a very. I call it my basic bitch. <laughs> I named it Christina. What? Is this gonna kill some folk? The what? 
With the hard th. Yeah, it's Christina. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys know what that's from, then we can be friends, basically. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a basic car. The car market. The reason I didn't get something fancier you know like a sports car or something a little more sexy if you will the uh it's because the car market just sucks right now and that's yeah. a that's a rollover from the covid uh there's a chip shortage and a labor shortage during covid which created this shortage of cars which drove car prices up and used cars became way more valuable and I've been looking for a new car for a while, but the market is just terrible. I see these. I go, I went on Facebook Marketplace, and this that it is a shit show on there. All these guys Do you prefer have... Facebook Marketplace over like, you know, the traditional Craigslist. Um, I prefer Craigslist. So Craigslist now charges five dollars to lit a month. To list your car and you can list as many things as you want for the five dollars no that's per vehicle wow oh i believe i believe so everything else like i have a computer up for Skeptilous sale country yeah i have a computer <laughs> up for sale which is uh, i don't have to pay anything to list that but i think okay. they i think the reason they started charging five dollars is not expensive to yeah. advertise so but i think it just kind of weeds out the all the bullshit you know scammers and all that stuff yeah. i think it just weeds out a yeah. lot of that because nobody's okay gonna, i see that now gonna pay to scam uh, or at least most people are not gonna pay to scam you'd be surprised <laughs> yeah but facebook marketplace is a shit show because it's free and yeah. i go on there and like every other i'm like oh cool low car low mile car that it looks clean and everything and it's a good price and i go and look it's like salvage title or some bullshit where it's yeah. you know yeah, or it, or my favorite thing is they'll put 245 miles on it with but what they're really saying it has 245,000 miles yeah, but when i do yeah. a search for something under 100,000 miles mile, it pops up it pops mm -hmm. up and i'm like oh cool so it's at the end of its life and yeah. you're advertising it with the stuff that yeah i hate that that's super annoying or they'll put or um, they'll put one two three four five for the, the uh, price yeah mm -hmm. yeah so it goes on you're like oh i'm looking for something under five grand or something you know yeah. just like a cheap car and yeah, you see a seventy thousand dollar car <laughs> yeah <laughs> or they'll put 70 or something you know just something stupid like it's like what do they th do? They think by by trying to deceive people, they're going to get the sale. I don't. Right. I don't understand the. I have logic. a five thousand dollar budget, but I'll buy your seventy thousand dollar car. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I used to work in sales, and tricking people makes them feel like it, it causes resentment. Like you, it doesn't. Being dishonest like that does not help you sell stuff. It doesn't. It's it's a very weird tactic, and I. I actually ended up buying my car from, um, it was from Contra Costa County Public Auction, who actually doesn't do auctions anymore. They just sell cars now. But they had a very good reputation. It's like, it is a used car place, but I know there's Can you a- you bid on it? No. 
it's just that's the price. As is price, okay. Yeah, and no negotiating. And I don't generally trust used car, you know, salesman type of thing, but I know how to inspect cars because I've worked on cars for a while now, and I I know how to inspect it, so I inspected it well, and but. I actually trust those guys because they have a reputation. They've been around for a while and they have a reputation to uphold. The guys on Facebook marketplace have no reputation to uphold. They don't have any Fly by night. Most of them don't have, have like a fake account. They have no stars, you know, no ratings on their stuff. And you, you know, you don't know if they screwed over the last 10 people that they, but like, I can, I can go on, like I looked at the Google review. Google Maps review, and this place had like almost a full five stars and a lot of good reviews. And I was like, oh, so they're not screwing people over because otherwise they'd be riddled with bad reviews. Like the, when I used to sell motorcycles, I, we used to look on our own Google uh, reviews and stuff, and I don't think our reviews were that high. And we were honest, like we were, we were very honest. But you can't please everybody, so we had some some bad reviews from people. But it was yeah, actually I mean, mainly that's... because we did service too, and people hate paying money to the service yeah. department. Like people don't like paying what the labor and stuff that it actually takes to repair stuff. So they three hundred dollars for an oil change. Yeah. So when they, well, I mean, we didn't rip them off. But you know, you take it to the dealer; they're going to charge you ninety dollars an hour oh, for for, sure. for labor, and with like a one hour minimum. And They're if not you didn't bat an eye, they won't even like flinch when they tell you the price. Yeah, well, I mean, like that's a honestly the the guy who worked the what do they call it the uh, the guy who works the service counter the mm -hmm. uh, the guy who charges everybody and makes the prices and all that stuff that's a tough job you get you nobody wants to pay like large sums of money and you gotta like always break the bad news to them they're never happy but i feel like with most things they have like a, a code to where they just type okay if you you know you need an alternator then that is recommended seven hour job at this pay you know or price or whatnot and the technician is required to complete it in you know seven hours or less if it takes the technician more time i don't think they're going to be able to charge you more well that's the thing but like people don't you know they give like an estimate for the and sometimes there's more stuff wrong with it you know yeah when they when they get into it, they're like well this is how much it is to diagnose it for us to take it apart and see what's going on with it and then we think it's this, so we're gonna. This is our estimate, and then they get into it, and then they're like, "Oh, so we found this is wrong. It also needs a whatever, an alternator, and this and that. Do you want us to go through with it? You know." And then they're like, "Oh no, that's too much." And then they're like, "Okay, well, we get we're gonna have to put it back together, or you can take it like this is some, you know, like, like we have to. So they have to charge more, put it back Bring together." It yeah it's oh kind of like it, you know it, like the labor isn't free we the, the company still has to pay the mechanics to do this stuff you know the diagnosing exactly. is not free and but. usually i'm comfortable with paying like 
the 170 for them to do a diagnostic and tell me, hey, what's wrong? And then usually if it's something I can do myself, I'll do it myself. And, you know, at least I don't have to waste hours of my time trying to figure out what the problem is when yeah. I can just, you know, pay a technician to either plug it up to the computer or, you know, look at it and see and inspect it and say, okay, well, this is the problem. You need to replace this. You know, it's $3,000 if we do it, but you could probably get the parts for 600 bucks and do it yourself. Oh, yeah. And I'm totally that guy. Like, as long as it's not like an automatic transmission, I'm not, I'm not going to touch that. Like, yeah. And as I long as they got a YouTube video for it, you're good. Yeah. I would, <laughs> I would put an already rebuilt transmission in. Oh, yeah. But but I would not, not rebuild the transmission. The, yeah, that's a, there's a lot of little things you can fuck up in there if you don't know what you're doing. And I just have no experience with that. So, but everything else, Why like does my car, always go backwards when I put it in drive. <laughs> <laughs> I think the problems would be worse than that, honestly. <laughs> and then you have the places where you go in with one problem, and then all of a sudden, oh no, you have uh, three problems now. Yeah, you have three <laughs> problems. Well, before there's only one problem. Yeah, that's a that's kind of I think that's a oversimplifying it a little bit because there are like shady places there are shady mechanics and there's a lot of them don't get me wrong but there's a lot of also like oh i'm gonna go in they're like oh it's making a noise or whatever it's like oh well okay there's this noise or whatever but sometimes it's like well you also need to fix this or it's gonna be like a catastrophic failure soon once they get into it you know and they start looking at things they notice oh there's wear on this part and this part's going to fail pretty soon. And that's going to, yeah. like, you know, uh, paperweight the engine pretty much. And sometimes parts are, like, close to each other. So, like, for instance, on a lot of uh, German, you know, Audi and Volkswagens, they may say, okay, well, we're going to change your timing belt because it needs to be changed. But the water pump is connected to the timing belt. So it's like we need to change your water pump as well while we're in here because it's only a matter of time before you need to change your water pump. And... You don't want to pay twice for, yeah. you know, something that can be done at the same time. Well, yeah, it's accessibility. So, for instance, I did a timing chain on my uh, Mini Cooper that I had. Don't buy a Mini Cooper, by the way. Uh, but the... Don't, don't the, worry. The, the, the uh, <laughs> crankshaft seal was leaking a little bit or whatever. A crankshaft seal is like a $30 part or something. But the labor it takes to get to the crankshaft seal, and it's, you know, literally you have to, like, get to it to, to change the, time, the chain. So it's like, while you're in there, you might as well just spend that extra $40 and the extra 10 minutes that it takes to put that new seal in because you're already in there. It's like, right. it's like when you change the clutch on the other side of the engine, you should go in and change the rear main seal as well just because... Mm -hmm. It's a cheap part, takes a few minutes to change, but it, it will to get, fail. But to get to it, it takes half a day, you know, <laughs> or like a day to get You're to pretty it. Pretty much tearing the transmission down again. Yeah, so it's a lot of that stuff is like. I think there's a lot of honest mechanics out there, but there's, it's like any profession, it's it's the one bad apple that gets the, you know, makes everyone else look bad. But then also pricing has a lot to do with it too because, you know, sometimes it's, hey, I can't afford that. I just need you to get my car back on the road. 
Like, what is the minimum amount of work that you can do to get me back up and running? Yeah, because it's the, like I only spent two thousand dollars for this car. I'm not about to spend another three thousand dollars worth of parts and labor. Yeah, yeah. You I know, it's like, hey, I think that's a road. bad mentality. But I mean, I I also sympathize with people that are on a budget and they can't mm-hmm. afford something nicer, and then something goes wrong. They buy a cheap car because they don't have, they can't afford the expensive car, and then something goes wrong, and now they have have this other expense that they can't really afford and they're just trying to get to work. So I I can sort of sympathize that with that, but a car that you buy a car that has a lot of problems, you're going to have a, you know, a cheap car with a lot of miles on it or something like that. You're going to have more problems. It's going to be neglected or just worn or something. Have you guys heard of any companies that are like um, doing retrofits for like electric ev retrofits to where you just take an old um you know gasoline or diesel junker and just they have like a off-the-shelf type of platform with maybe just a front-wheel drive set up and then you know a a drop-in battery pack or something like that they absolutely have companies like that there's take any... a lot of companies that will do like full conversions. They'll do old old hot rods. They'll take old hot rods and Porsche. Oh, wow. There's a company uh, I know of one specifically down in Southern California, which is a huge. You know, Southern California is huge into cars and hot rods and stuff, but they take old like Porsches and Volkswagens basically, and convert them to electric. Mm. Uh, those are light little cars that are not really safe cars but they're <laughs> they're generally <laughs> right. inexpensive and light but yeah there's i think there's a lot of value to that retrofitting putting a, a more modern efficient engine or, or electric yeah. motor in because there's some styles that are just nostalgic you know that i would just because you know you get to a point where some vehicle is just like okay you guys just you you lost me with this with this uh this body style that you're going with Let's go back to the original. Go back to the what people really fell in love with when you know that first model came out. Yeah. Well, as opposed to trying to just change something just to come out with a new model. Yeah. The, well, they got to sell cars still. You know, they got to stay in business. But what happens also is the government, especially in like California and but in the United States in general, they have a mandate for like efficiency yeah. and safety and a lot of that has to do with how much the car weighs and the aerodynamics yeah. of the car. So the aerodynamics specifically impact the overall look of the car. So the cars are starting to look more alike now because the aerodynamic kind of, or the efficiency. They're trying to get the lowest coefficient. Yeah, which ends up being the, kind of the same shape. You know, yeah. the, the more stringent the the requirements become the more the same shape it becomes also mm-hmm. so but the uh what's i gonna say yeah there's only one best shape for aerodynamics but really yeah in, but in reality it's like this if you're if the whole purpose of okay i'm going electric just so that i don't have to have to deal with miles per gallon so to speak on you know killing the environment with you know, EPA gases and stuff. So 
hey, now I have an EV vehicle. Who cares what it looks like as far as aerodynamics? Because we're not like we're no longer trying to get the most mile per gallon. But I mean, I guess you're trying. You to are get trying range. to get miles per volt. Yeah, yeah it's so. it's still efficiency, even no matter what the power source is. It's still efficiency, and yeah. you're going to get more range out of that battery. What the thing with electric cars is they're very heavy. The batteries are extremely heavy yeah, compared to gasoline engines. So for now, and yeah. these are lithium batteries, right? They're still running lithium. Yeah. The, so the new technology in the future is a solid state battery. That's that's what they're. That's what the hype Man, is right nanotech. now. Nanotech. Yeah. What is which, it made out of? So the new, the older ones have, uh, Matt, you could probably, I think you know more, might know more about this than me, but it, the older ones essentially have the acid in them still. Yeah, they, ha- they have that. They have liquid, and liquid, acid, as yeah. we all know, is generally pretty heavy. So the, it, yeah, it creates, so a solid well, state would be, would be smaller, lighter, and also solid state would charge much faster than a, than a, um, liquid uh, acid build or whatever okay so that's where we're but going the there but coming from the the lead in the batteries because those are those are lead acid acid filled batteries versus... uh matt do you know about that do lithium ion batteries have lead in them that that's the old tech yeah that's a lead acid. the newer ones don't have that if you look at a like a for example like a energizer lithium these days you have to have a uh, uh, what is it called a a cathode and an anode inside of a battery. So there's the the charge propagates to the to the battery. Yeah. Okay. And uh, a lot of times I see that, um, and you can use anything. You so you have the lithium, which is the positive, and then you use something else, which would be the the anode, which yeah. the charge would bounce back and forth between. But the the new lithium ion batteries that they use in electric cars are they don't last super long like what i from what yeah. i was reading they actually only last about 5 years before they really start to degrade i heard it's based on charge cycles too yeah yep. so i think that's a generalization have... is like 5 years of use i think on oh, normal use okay but if you're using this the, the hell out of this car and charging and, and discharging daily, mm-hmm. then you may have a you know three years, three and a half. I mean, it's the same type of battery that you have in a cell phone or something. It's just yep. much bigger, and and it, also the way you charge it as well plays a huge part. Yeah. So when you start when you start the charge and how long you let it charge. Yeah, I was reading actually. So the old, you know, the old batteries that you used to have that had memory in them, like that you'd use for RC cars in the eighties and nineties and stuff. um, And you and it would say, "Charge it full, always charge it full," right? Mm -hmm. And I think you were even supposed to. I think you were supposed to run it till it was empty and charge it till it was full every every time. Until it's dead, right? Lithium-ion batteries do not work like that. They actually last longer if you don't charge them to a hundred percent. From what I read, the the article I read may be wrong, but, but yeah, if you generally speaking, if you, if you keep them towards the middle of their charge, like in like 50% or, you know, and you don't charge them all the way till they're dead or use them till they're dead and you don't charge them to a hundred percent, they'll actually last longer. But 
who wants to do that? Or, you know, like everyone wants to charge 200%, get the maximum mileage out of their car or get the, ma yep. you know, the maximum time out of their phone. And I'll plug it in when it's dead. <laughs> yeah. So the, yeah, I don't know. What I was going to say that. So, so to go back to your uh, lead battery, so the, the lead acid batteries are the old style. That's what the lithium replaced. But why don't we have lithium for like, because, you know, I heard, um, why are we, so Teslas, they have mm -hmm. the, um, the, uh, the lithium batteries for the, you know, underneath the floor of the, of the car or whatever. But I also heard that there is a lead acid 12 volt battery that is in the car as well um, to run like electronics. Yeah, that's, like that. that's just the standard, like, why are we still battery? using this old ass technology? Because it's probably cheaper. Are you talking about an electric car? Well, exactly. If, you're, if your whole car is running off an electric system in the floor and running off of lithium-ion batteries, why do we still need to keep an old lead-acid battery in the car to run specific? Because you know, it's probably probably cheaper, and it, it doesn't tie into the electrical system of your, your vehicle, except mm -hmm. for running electronics like it does in like a gas-powered car. So they took the gas-powered platform and then they just switched the gas and the drivetrain with the electrical system got it and okay. then they kept the electrical system of the vehicle the 12 runs the radio and all that with a big 12 volt battery and probably cheaper and that's probably helps their bottom line than to tie everything into the electrical system which will hurt their you know volts per miles per volt or whatever that yeah. the standard it uses i'm i'm guessing also they're using they might be using different parts with like different voltages or something that they use in other vehicles. Like, you know, they'll, they'll use like, you know, they'll use a turn signal or whatever across their whole fleet of vehicles yeah. that they make the whole, all the different models. They, cause they don't want to engineer the Camry and the Lexus. Yeah. Cause they don't want to engineer, you know, 35 different turn signals. They just use the same yeah. turn signal for all their cars and they engineer it once. So that might be kind of a, but I think ones like the Tesla that are engineered from the ground up to be electric from the start, they're not just a converted, like the Ford Lightning truck, for instance. It's just a, you know, it's the same chassis sort of and everything and like a lot of the same components and stuff as their gasoline. But Teslas, that's all they make and they engineer them from the ground up. So I, I doubt a Tesla has like a, a lead acid battery in it, but I could be wrong. Just a well. quick question. Have you guys ever tried or experimented with the, um, like the lithium, I guess lithium ion double A's and triple A batteries that you can like recharge? Yeah, I have some of those. How do you, how do you, how do you feel about that versus the standard alkaline, you know, Duracell copper? I just, I just look at it. I'm like, okay, this is gonna last me a little bit longer because once a battery sucks, it sucks and it's garbage. But it seems like they've been lasting long. I've had them for a couple of years in the recharger. You know, I don't use them too much, but it's, it's, I mean, it could be a whole like marketing ploy. And I, I was conditioned to believe that they last longer. But, but know, I mean, the fact that you can recharge it is, is, I mean, as long as it lasts just as long as a, you know, a Duracell alkaline battery, I'm okay with the fact that, okay, I got to put it on the charger for, 30 minutes to three hours or whatever, however long it takes yeah. to charge. But at least I know that I can 
not have to, you know, put another alkaline battery in there. But if it's only lasting, you know, half the amount of time as an alkaline battery, and then you got to recharge it again, and then, you know, I just feel like it's kind of a, it's kind of a waste of my time to have, especially if you're, you know, it's like for a camera, for your security system. And it's like, well, damn, when I use the standard alkaline batteries, I'm good for three months. But now I have to change this every three weeks because I'm using these rechargeable batteries. I think that has to do with basically we're in a transition stage. It's kind of like retrofitting. So like, like say you wanted to use that old RC car that had a lead acid battery in it from the eighties or whatever. Um, you know, it's switching over, you know, the lithium ion is the new technology, but we're in a transition stage. That's what like all these hybrid cars are. It's like a transition. It's a hybrid cars. I don't, now that we have electric cars, like I don't think hybrid cars are even like, to me, that's two, you have a motor and an engine. That's that's two different things that, that have a point of failure that they are or, or like two possibilities for failure. The more moving parts, the more things you have is failure. But like the, the batteries are retrofitting. So you can use your old stuff that uses the old AAAs that we've been using for many you know decades. Uh, in any device i think that's just a combat compatibility thing you know Mm -hmm. versus um and they may not last as long as like a lead acid but they're also more uh sustainable yeah like you're not throwing away all these lead acid batteries over and over and over again you can use them a hundred times versus a one-time use so I that... feel like this is crazy because don't you think if it was better for the environment that they would say, you know what, we're going to ban lead acid batteries because we have better technology now. But instead, they say, well, we'll just sell both. They don't they, they don't do that because they most people use the lead acid batteries. Yeah, it's it's money like the the companies <laughs> that produce them, I'm sure lobby and well, a lot it, of people use plastics, and they're starting to ban that. In California. Know? Well, in California, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I we'll, mean, we'll probably get, we're we, gonna get banning, to banning these batteries soon. Why? We don't, well, like, as humans, probably. we don't do stuff until it, like, slaps us in the face. Like, we wait till the last second to change. We don't like to change. Uh, I think, like, the ozone layer stuff in the in the 90s was a good example of that, where we were using chemicals in our aerosols that were depleting the ozone and it started to actually become an issue. Um, And right now, like, so basically we did stop ozone depleting gases from being used in like aerosols and stuff like that. But the ozone still, let's, I believe 7% more UV rays, um, through than than we used to have like a hundred years ago for industrial revolution and all that so but that like it kind of had to slap us in the face before that it had to actually like affect us start affecting us to where you know like with that being said about the ozone like okay we banned the aerosols and it's because we had so some science behind the fact that (laughs) these aerosol cans are depleting um you know, an area of the ozone layer, right? But now what well, is the CFCs that are reacting with the ozone? 
Yeah. So what if we find out that now all these lead batteries that are being mis mis are, are improperly disposed because no one's really disposing batteries the way they should be. No, dude, they throw it in the garbage can. Exactly. And that goes is, in the landfill, goes into the water table. Go. Oh yeah. Yeah. And we... so how long is it going to take before <laughs> there's enough data to support, hey, we need to ban these batteries because they're not being disposed of properly. It was just like oil was, you know, being poured down the drains and shit back in the 80s, you know, even before then, until they started to, you know, have centers available to where they can collect oil, to where, like, hey, please don't pour it down the drains into the streams, into the rivers, because it's killing our environment. Just take it down to your O'Reilly's or AutoZone, and we'll recycle it for you for free. Yeah, well, people come up with these things, and they they don't always, they're not, it's, sometimes it's hard to test the long-term effects, and sometimes it, they just don't know, you know, the long-term effects and stuff. But what Matt was saying about the, like, the water table and stuff like that, mm -hmm. yeah, our landfills, like, we dump so much stuff that goes into our water uh, table, you know, our water system underground. And that will take thousands of years to filter out, like, a lot of that stuff. Like, it, yeah, it's not and that's some... not even the stuff that's, like, just think about the 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 millions of cars that are sitting in people's yards that are just leaking oil right into the ground yeah. it's not even like in a junkyard or you know or the cars that are parked on the streets that when it rains that oil that's leaking from those cars gets washed down the drains even the ones that are driving on the on the road so i mean there's tons of of you know uh biocarbons that are being added to our water already so it's like, I mean, until we find there are better ways to get rid of the biocarbons. Um, you know, they've, they've been developing uh, bacteria that can eat different things and process them and then, uh, like, eke out as waste, you know, stuff that's not harmful, like the plastics we're talking about. Mm -hmm. This uh, lady, she came up with a bacteria that <clears throat> was engineered to eat plastic and then produce, like, an inert, like, like sediment-type uh a thing like almost like compost yeah. so to speak right yeah but exactly and they and they're going to use that on like those big um plastic things in the middle of the ocean and those things are just going to eat and reproduce on the plastic and then when the plastic is all gone those things just the drop and die yeah, but that's yeah. that's like the apocalypse that's like one of those apocalypse things though. what happens when they mutate or you know like like we don't know about the long-term yeah. effects the of, fish of that these eat things that are yeah. now going to be dinosaurs. Now, now they're going to become a, a, a <laughs> antibiotic-resistant flesh-eating bacteria eventually, or something. You know, like yeah, they get a taste for human flesh instead of plastic or or metal. Can you imagine a plane flying yeah. and then it goes through a cloud that's of like, this stuff? That's like the genetic engineering apocalypse type of. Um, <sighs> or what if the bacteria doesn't situation? know where to stop? Like, what if this bacteria spreads to? our house and now it's yeah. eating plastics in our house that's or why they're gonna do cars drop it in the middle of the ocean plastic. to see how it goes <laughs> the ocean's everywhere if it spreads the, from ocean the ocean is supposed screwed. to if it if it doesn't eat plastic and it just dies so the ocean surrounds us in every side though like it it would spread to us eventually i think so i, I don't think so i think it'll eat the plastic and then it'll die oh maybe if that's, that's all it can live on, or it could mutate to survive. Well, it, it, yeah, if it has no other <laughs> source of food, then once the plastic is gone, it, it, it would probably die. You're right. Yeah. 
or or mutate to survive. Uh, but because uh, a lot of bacteria at the same time, there's going to be some mutations that oh, happen. Yeah, That's yeah. the the law of the jungle: survival of the fittest. I don't eat plastic. Yeah. I eat styrofoam. Yeah, and then the, they have they jump on styrofoam little molecules all the way to the to the shore. All of our packaging. Shipping containers. Yeah. Cardboard. Can you imagine if the bacteria started eating cardboard? Oh, Amazon would be screwed. Yeah, no boxes. Hey, where's my box? Oh man, bacteria, man. Got, got a bacteria infection in my my truck. You show up, the Amazon guy just hands you a shirt. Like, yeah, the box didn't make it, bro. <laughs> I tried to save it, man, but it was yeah. gone. It was gone. So I wanted to bring it back to transportation a little bit. So the yeah. I was talking about the hybrid uh hybrid cars which i think are a weird in-between thing so we're in, i think it's an in-between technologies yeah so i think hybrid has to do with range like you have more range the the electric cars don't have the range and it's hard it's hard to charge them right now you know like you have to find these charging stations which are not as common as we're used to having gasoline stations everywhere um obviously like a yeah. hundred years ago that was you know there were few gasoline stations anywhere you know yeah. so it's it's a it's just a transition thing but i don't like hybrids personally like i would not buy one because it's more points of failure you have more things to go wrong you have two systems in there essentially when you could have one uh that are put together so i don't like the idea just from a mechanic standpoint someone who works on his own cars i don't want a motor that can fail and an engine that can fail I just want performance an wise i beg to differ though because if you're looking for the most performance there's nobody that's touching the torque that these electric engines can produce oh yeah they go fast yeah guys like, smoking everybody well, quick well quick i would say that the weight is a factor and also tesla's yes they like smoke a lot of you know they'll smoke like hellcats and stuff off the yeah. line but the hellcat will catch up in the in the high end it has the high end power to catch up at the like the end of the drag strip but have you seen that's an extreme case because a hellcat is a crazy gas guzzling car it's, it's not like it's a prius or something i mean it's not like it's a you know honda civic or something that's smoking a like the the equivalent electric car to a honda civic would probably beat a honda civic you know in my opinion so, but lucid motors has this air sapphire that oh, that's is ridiculous that's a luxury luxury car but I was... i'm talking 1.8 seconds at zero to 60. oh yeah some of them are crazy the porsche one super fast the... there's no car that can they can keep up with this car yeah at all, all for how it. long well no i mean it can't in the quarter mile it's doing um i think eight eight nine in the quarter mile i mean you're and always sacrificing something if you're going that top fast, speed of 205 miles an hour yeah so if you're going that fast like you're you have a lot of either a lot of battery weight or you're just eating up your battery like you're well, yeah i'm pretty like sure the amount of energy it takes to do far. that type of acceleration is is the little thing i'm sure so you're yeah. gonna like to sustain that type of thing, you know, that's where you come back to like the range and the the but the flexibility of a, batteries and stuff like that. The flexibility of a of an electric motor to be able to 
you know, essentially add a turbo and a supercharger at the at the flip of a switch. An electric motor can't do that. If it doesn't have it built into it, when it leaves, you know, the the line, you know, it's not gonna be able to add anything to it. But I feel like with these electric vehicles, you can, you know, hey, I wanna turn up the voltage to a higher amount of volts and now Instead of a thousand horsepower, I have twelve hundred horsepower or something like that. Well, the the bottleneck is the battery, essentially in the technology. Yeah. The motors are pretty good, but the the batteries weigh a lot. They don't have the range. They don't have the like that is the bottleneck. The batteries need to get need to move forward. It's like uh, it's like a TV, for instance. Like you have higher resolution, but you don't have a player that can play it. So then the player gets better. And then the TV gets better. And then, you know, so the battery needs to get better right now because the motors are pretty good. But the, um, yeah, the, it's a transition period. So we need to. It's what? What do you think about steam powered car? <laughs> what do you say? What, what do you think about a steam powered car? Steam-powered I think it failed 100 years ago. No, oh, no. I'm talking about. When are we going to get nuclear cars Ooh. that can go forever? Not, not in our lifetime, probably. I don't, I don't know. know. It's, it's, it's pretty it's simple. Be There's an issue with just having nuclear cars because someone's going to try to steal. If the it's electric, atom bomb who knows? Like but yeah, that's a that's a that's a very uh, far away. T- type of topic i don't know anything about that so i'm I'm gonna pass on that one (laughs) okay so what are you got matt what are you driving right now i am driving a gmc yukon denali ah gas guzzler nice i like it super huge very american the anti-california and how do you like it how do you like it Oh, it's it's smooth. It's nice. It's luxurious. Nice, Brandon. What are you driving right now? So, um, we have two cars. We have the uh, so the car I drive. I commute with is uh, 2016 Volkswagen Passat. It's got a you know a four cylinder turbo in it, but it gets 34 to 40 miles to to the gallon. You got quiet. Did you step away from the oh. mic? Yeah, I did step away from the mic. My bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go back. So, yeah, I have a 2016 Volkswagen Passat with a, uh, you know, four-cylinder turbo. And uh, it's great. Great on gas. Um, gets about 30, 35 to 40 miles, um, you know, if you're on the highway or whatnot. But we also have a little um, a Hyundai SUV Santa Fe. And I felt like that car is is pretty good another four cylinder but i definitely think that we may be transitioning into uh something a little bigger and you know i think i mean with matt saying with the suv the big suvs are cool but i don't know man i got a little soft spot for the the minivan i don't know i i, I drove a minivan and i was just like you know what oh, i can yeah, see we- I we can got see the it. minivan too. Oh, so, there you go. <laughs> so I used to work at functional, dude. It's the Honda Odyssey. Okay, there you go. I like the Odyssey, and I also like the Pacifica. The Pacifica looks nice too. So what I gotta say about minivans is I used to work for a car rental place, mm-hmm. and they had a bunch of different minivans, and I used to drive all the minivans. 
And when you don't have a full family full of camping gear, you know, like a family of seven and uh, all their camping gear and supplies and stuff, right. those things got some balls. Like they fucking move. Like oh, I bet. Like they yeah. like we used to fucking like you could definitely burn out with those things. Like dude, like they're actually not. And of course, cargo space. Let's let's be real. My when we were kids, my dad we used to uh, shove like a full size. Uh, you know, like a CRF one twenty five. Um, you damn near have a truck bed back there. Yeah, you you could fit, we could fit a full dirt bike in there, and like all the gear and stuff in a in a in a minivan. Realistically, a cargo van would have been easier and better, but but we could right. get it in there. We just kind of have to shoehorn it in there, but we could get it in there uh, without taking the handlebars down, which is pretty good. But yeah, I, I mean, most I have a soft spot around three hundred horses. And I feel like that's plenty, and especially if you're by yourself, if you don't have the family with you, 300 horsepower. I mean, granted, it's a four, forty-five hundred to five thousand pound vehicle. Yeah, but... and when it's loaded down, you ain't, you ain't yeah, feeling you ain't, that horsepower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When you got a full family, it ain't gonna, it ain't gonna do that. But no, I love, I love minivans. I love them actually, but it's kind of that weird stigma of having a minivan but no family. You know, like it's, yeah, it's kind of creepy. Strange. It's a little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, I'll have to get a pencil mustache, you know, and hang out at parks and stuff, you know. Uh, Free candy. <laughs> hang out, but unless hang out. it's got like airbag suspension or something <laughs> like that, <laughs> and an oh, LS. I would, I would do that for sure. Put airbag suspension on one of those, like for sure. I've seen some badass, like slammed, lowered, um, uh, minivans, mm -hmm. and not bad. Yeah, the uh, yeah, I was looking. I I kind of went with the sedan. So I got a I got a car last week, and it it I went with the the plain Jane sedan. I got an Impala 2012. It's uh, it's got pickup. It was it's like a cop car basically. They used to yeah. use them as cop cars, and it's got a 300 horsepower V6 in it. It's nice. It's comfy. I had a Mini Cooper before, which was did not ride as nice. Handled a lot better uh like around the corners this one feels like a freaking wet rag around the corners um you can change suspension though but like man cruising on the freeway and stuff this one's miles more comfortable and it's just the space and the seats you and play, paint it black and white no no actually <laughs> so um what was i gonna say so the yeah that's the one those are the two i have right now but the stereo fucking sucks in it. The stereo is kind of trash. So mm. when you were talking about the infotainment system, I'm actually upgrading. I already ordered it. I'm getting the, uh, you know, the touch screen with the Apple Play because I have an iPhone. Uh, it also does Android. Um, but it's going to have the whole touch screen so I could just plug it in or Bluetooth connect it and call it a day. And I can use the map and everything on my dash. Oh, that's um, legit. So is it like um, a double DIN? I guess that's the size. Yeah. For it. Yeah. So okay. double DIN. It was like three hundred bucks for the whole double DIN thing. I ordered speakers. I'm not sure. I'm actually going to change out the speakers though. I might just send those back because um, I actually got the aux to work last night, and it the speakers are not not that bad. Like they sound pretty decent. So I'm thinking I might keep those, but uh, I do like a good stereo, and uh, right. 
I would not be against getting like a nice big sub in there and just bumping it. My wife, hey, well, my a, wife says I got fifteen in my garage. If you want it, if you, I, you can have it. <laughs> Fifteen—that's that a big boy. I know. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, my wife said I'd be a, a stereotype of an Impala owner if I did that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Put the hydraulics on him, bro. Yeah. But there no, you I mean, go. Uh, you know, we're in California here. It gets hot during the summer, so I'm gonna tint the windows. It has no tinted windows on it right now. It's a very basic like. It does not have any options on it. Basically, it's pretty pretty low end. Um, luckily, they only had one engine that year, which was a good engine. But uh, yeah, make gonna, it like a, a Memphis uh, Impala with the twenty four inches. Oh, the dong? No, I ain't, yeah, gonna, gonna... I ain't gonna do the dong. Hell no, hell no. I'm not gonna. That thing rides nice now. I'm I'm actually it's, it's comfortable. I commute. Um, that was killing me. That was one of the reasons I got it. Driving a stick shift and stop and go traffic is brutal. Like my left leg is like super buff from doing it. Like it's like doing fucking mm-hmm. uh, um, calf raises with only your left leg all <laughs> all day long. It's bad. I really, really did not like commuting in that thing. So this is much nicer, um, and it's only got forty five thousand miles on it used so it's uh, low. yeah it's good for at least another hundred thousand so i'm 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 happy with it but yeah did gotta, you, gotta you get some good stereo car? what uh, i'm selling it car? the clutch okay. is going in it clutch, clutch is slipping so i reduced the price for that are you going to disclose that i already disclosed it i cut oh, the, okay, i okay. cut the price in half on it and then uh if nobody buys it i'll just change the clutch myself and then it's, sell it, it for the price that that's you a, want to. That's a right. good fucking weekend job for sure. That'll take me a good two days. That thing's a son of a bitch to change the clutch in. Well, also, how are you going to get underneath it? You're going to have to put it on, on uh, jack stands. Yeah, you have to jack it up high, too, because I got to drop yeah. the subframe. And and then also get, I don't yeah. know if you're going to use the, the floor jack to, to yep. hold your your. your I'm going to have to borrow a second floor jack, actually. I got to yeah. use two floor jacks. And uh, yeah, it's a big giant pain in the ass, and uh, I would rather someone else do it. One shop <laughs> quoted me four grand to do it. You yeah, know, I saw out. this. I saw this. Uh, I guess it was a a video online where this dude had dug a trench in his yard so that he can work underneath his cars. I've seen that I before. Like, yeah. Yeah, right, I was like, I, okay, I get it, but I mean, don't let that trench cave in on you, bro. It's yeah i saw another guy change (laughs) i saw another guy he had his driveway like this and then he had like coming off the side he had built like a ramp that went up yeah uh out of like cinder blocks like a little and then he and then he had like concrete on top of it so you see like built the base out of cinder blocks you can go underneath it will just went up like a like oh like ramps like tapered up Yeah, yeah just ramped up so like that would be like well so for a transmission change, you would have to have the front wheels off the ground, though. So yeah. it, so none of that really matters, like, because uh, you would still have to actually jack up the front somehow and get the front wheels, because you have to disconnect all the drivetrain. Oh, yeah, the, you're and right. The, and the wheels and all the A-arms and all that shit. So it's a, like, you have to drop the whole subframe on mine. It's such a pain in the ass. Yeah. So... 
yeah i got that to look forward to <laughs> but no i like i like my new car I'm, I'm going for the luxury now minivans ride pretty nice too minivans they ride. do yeah is that your next buy they got a lot of room for stereo also. it's probably gonna be my next buy for sure <laughs> yeah i like the i have to say uh matt i know you used to have a toyota i like the toyotas they're to the minivans the siennas well i don't oh, know yeah. the, the swagger wagon yeah, yeah the, the, the so i was working <laughs> so i worked for like three months doing photography of of uh cars at car dealerships the minivans like specked out the with all the bells and whistles are nice they're really nice i sat in a um a sienna that was all like had all the options and stuff i was like dude this thing is nicer than like a luxury car like this thing is really nice so i i would definitely get one they're freaking nice 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 yeah. okay I posted the the swagger wagon in the general there for you to look at at your leisure oh nice okay um so what is matt what is the fastest car you've ever driven in fastest car um i don't know brandon same question i would have to say um a corvette your dad's your dad's corvette dad's corvette so you're talking about the ability to go the fastest not the fastest you've driven in oh well so like okay so how fast have i ever driven the one that you've Uh, driven not ridden in Driven. No, no, I was I drove it. So yeah, I drove his car, but I didn't drive it, you know, hella fast. But yeah. it's capable of going fast. Um yeah. the fastest I have driven would probably um would be like I think I did like 135 one time. And it was in it was in the Volkswagen. But um yeah, I was like, you know what? This is just a little too fast for this car. I mean, even with stock brakes and you know stock suspension, like yeah, you're gonna just a little too quick. Yeah, you gotta get like a hundred miles flat. an hour is a decent cruising speed for if you're gonna speed hundred miles an hour is kind of like the max on stock everything. You know, if you don't have a performance setup vehicle, you shouldn't be going faster than hundred miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. tires. I remember yeah. when I was right out of high school. Uh, just graduated. I had uh, an eclipse, but the you gotta understand that it was like fucked up on the front, the front end, like the the steering and suspension and stuff was mm-hmm. like fucked up on the front because I hit a curb, <laughs> right? And uh, I took that thing fucked up. I took it up to one forty five on uh, on on uh, uh, in in, me- in Mexico in bro. Mexico. <laughs> not admitting, not admitting to anything uh yeah. in mexico yeah in mexico um but no it and uh i was like dude that was fucking stupid like thinking back on it, i was like that was fucking stupid but no i you've uh, gone faster on your bikes before haven't you i've gone about 185 on a bike get the hell out of here it's fast that is yeah. too fast bro I, I want to say one. So at that speed, Marty. What are you so looking the, at at that speed? What I Nothing. would say is that my <laughs> my speedometer Straight was. Ahead. So I had a gear. My bike was geared differently, so the speedometer was not accurate. Um, but I estimate one eighty five. That's my estimate. 
but um yeah no i was racing i had a honda rc51 which is a v-twin sport bike from the early 2000s and i was basically racing a cbr 1000 rr uh oh. through through traffic on uh in mexico <laughs> so i'm not, I mean, I'm not it's, saying it's i'm not saying where it was bikes i'm not saying where it 1, was 000. but no it, it like it, yeah you you start to get tunnel vision at that speed like you get uh and at it, the 185 did it still have you know more you could have you could have twisted more out of it or you were like pretty much uh i was getting close to topping it i was pretty topping it out yeah wild, wild I, I, yeah that was that was about as fast as a bike will go yeah i was i think i was pretty close to red line if not at red line um do you get does it smooth out at that speed or is it like yeah i mean it just I mean, depends. It just depends. Shit. Like bumps and stuff, you just kind of plow through at that speed. Yeah, you don't feel that. <laughs> but um, so I used to take Highway Four here in California, which was uh, it's like a little two lane road on a levee, um, uh, through the Delta, and I used to ride my uh, six hundred back and forth between my my um, what was my girlfriend at the time's house, um, and my house. And I would just fly along those back roads. And if I was going the speed, like near the speed limit or whatever, which was 55 back there, uh, you know, I'd go over these like bumps and humps and stuff, you know, like kind of more gradual or whatever. Mm-hmm. But man, when you're going like, when you're going triple digits, those those humps turns into jumps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, and I, got, I had some, some, <laughs> uh some very sketchy whirly situations uh, air in all both wheels in the air situations going very quickly along that levee um in mexico and (laughs) uh so yeah it was yeah i don't know i've i almost died several times on a motorcycle let's just put it that way but there's there's something about Something about having a 1,000 cc. So 600, I had a 600, uh, and then I had a 700 Sport Touring, which was about as fast as the 600. It was heavier and torquier and stuff. But a 600, I could beat most sports cars in a straight line. Yeah. Uh, it could not beat a Hellcat, though. Could not beat a Hellcat. A Hellcat would walk my 600. It would walk my 700. Um. So I got wa- I got walked up uh up a steep hill in my 700 one day and I fucking within a month or two I had sold it and got a CBR 1000 double R cuz I was never out. again never <laughs> again and uh yeah a Hellcat couldn't touch a 1000 couldn't touch a 1000 not even oh, close right. like I had Hellcats love to try to race me even and from they- a roll huh and the the CBR one thousand oh yeah definitely from a roll they they would have actually probably got me off the line a little bit because they got more rubber on the road they the they can they can launch a little harder than a bike can um and uh, what was I gonna say the freaking I forget what I was gonna say now <laughs> but no I I had, 
there's something about like knowing that you're faster than like any car on the road like pretty much i don't i don't know another car that could that could beat a 1000 that a thing bike. is that thing is they're stupid fast they they accelerate faster than an f1 car yeah i've seen a couple of drag races with like bugattis and um i think they were running the that bmw that fast ass bmw i can't remember which one it is but yeah the, sport the bikes one. are not crazy good on on like i said they're not that great off the line um i think mainly because they just don't have the weight and the and the tire and the yeah, well they, they just don't have down. enough rubber touching the road they have a little patch like this and they don't weigh very much so they're not like putting a lot of pressure on that patch and also that 1000 if i full throttled it through first gear it would just loop the bike like it would yeah, just you're lifting that front tire you can't actually utilize all that horsepower off the line whereas like on a hellcat if you had good proper tires and stuff like you could probably eh. i mean they have traction control and launch control and all that kind of stuff for that reason launch control has come a long way yeah. because but, but newer bikes have launch control too and wheelie control and all sorts of stability control they have all sorts of crazy shit on new so bikes it can, it can tell your angle to where it's like hey mm -hmm. you're starting to lift yep bring it back down damn that's yeah crazy. they have wheelie control on them yeah which is pretty nuts like the one i had was more analog it didn't have any of that stuff the only thing i put on it, i put a quick shifter on it which means you basically didn't have to use the clutch to shift you just use the shift selector to go up okay but then it um it's much more expensive no you, you just hold the throttle wide open and hit the hit the shifter get out of here That's so crazy. it actually it actually didn't like it if you let off the throttle it would kind of like wouldn't work properly okay um but the newer bikes have that so that was a 05 the newer bikes have uh what's called an auto blipper which so you can also that was mine only upshifted that way i had to man, i had to clutch it to downshift the uh the new ones have what's called the auto blipper so you can go up and down that way mm. the only time you got to use the clutch on those is when you're starting off from a dead stop so it can sense when you're pushing pressure putting pressure to downshift and it'll yes blip, blip the uh the throttle up for you real quick That's cool. yeah i don't know exactly how the auto blipper works but the the quick shifter actually cuts the ignition for like a split second mm, to allow so if you if you're shifting you can you say you're on the gas or whatever you mm -hmm. can you can actually shift without the clutch if you let off the gas for a second it'll it'll let you slide the the into the next gear that. without using the clutch so all it, all the quick shifter does is it does that for you by cutting off the ignition. It cuts the RPMs for a second, allowing the gears to line up, so you could just slip it in. Okay. So uh, I'm getting really technical for <laughs> for for people. I mean, like I'm not an engineer or anything, but I, it, some people might might not understand. I know my wife would understand. I'm talking to her. <laughs> yeah. But, thanks for saving my life that one time, Marty. What are you talking about? Not not letting me buy that bike. Oh, <laughs> that's how far fast you're going because that's probably what I would have done. I mean, anyone who yeah. has something that's capable of going that fast is going to want to try it. It's like you don't, you know, 
I don't know. You yeah. don't get a game yeah. that shit, you know. So it's funny though. Like the Hellcat owners. Uh, one of the thing I found funny is that the Hellcat owners had like less to prove. So it's actually like a lot of Hellcat owners did want to race, but a, but there were a pretty good amount that didn't want to race. But the guys that had the Dodge three eight three ninety twos, three ninety twos, them Scat packs, the Scat packs, those guys. Mm-hmm always like a hundred percent wanted to race all of them because they think they hellcat owners but they're not oh they're not my 600 could smoke those things like my 600 would pull away from those motherfuckers but the 1000 make them look like they're standing still yeah like that was that was no competition for the thousand they could they could i think forget if they could even keep up with the 600 i know it beat it but i yeah but anyways, motorcycles, I could talk about that all day long. I love my motorcycles. I'll probably get another one. <laughs> if I die, it's going to be with a smile on my face going 180 miles an hour on a motorcycle. So that's the fastest I've ever gone, though, is about 185 on a motorcycle. On a car, I would say probably around 140, 150. Um, Might have been in that eclipse that I had. I don't. And everything gets loud at that speed too, because like oh, you the, the wind. wind. Yeah, it's like it on feels a motorcycle like you're about too. To take off like in a rocket or something. Well, like, you know, this is too I, dangerous. Yeah, and when I rode motorcycles, uh, I had really loud bikes. Like I love my loud exhaust, and and it, you don't you're not seen on a motorcycle because it's such a small thing. Uh, so a lot of people don't see you in their, their rear view mirrors, you know, like, especially if you're moving quickly. And so having a loud motorcycle was a safety feature for me, I think. I, I want them to hear me coming so they look up. Well, you know, take their eyes off their fucking cell phone for a second and look up and yeah. see me. Um, but when I started to get to freeway speeds, I actually wore earplugs because when I started to get to freeway speeds, the wind noise would by far drown out yeah, all the exhaust noise. The wind noise got so intense, especially if you're going triple digits, it gets really intense. You can't even, that's when you hide behind the windscreen and you start getting into the triple digits. You stick your head up above that windscreen and it's like, oh, you get all this like turbulence and crazy shit. Your neck off. <laughs> yeah, it really, it really does. It's like pull, like pull you back and whiskey throttle or something. Hey Marty, I gotta, I gotta hop off. Uh, right. with the podcast. Okay. I go take care of the, the, the youngin. All right. No worries. But now I'm glad you. I uh, appreciate you having me on on today. All right, Brandon. We'll talk more. We'll uh. Hopefully, you can make it in a couple weeks. I'm gonna try to do it every two weeks now. Okay. Um, and That'll then. Work. Yeah. Have a good day, Brandon. Thank you for All joining right. us. For sure. All right, Matt. Take Thanks, care, man. Buddy. See ya. We can continue on a little bit. Let's uh, let's do a little. We could we could so mine. You yeah, mine. My yeah. fastest was uh, 950 miles an hour. <laughs> that's not. A, that's a lot on the road. That's, that's in a jet, huh? Yeah. All right. So um, I, I it's probably be my Subaru or the the Ford Interceptor. All right, pause for one minute. I'll edit this part out, but I need to go use the restroom. <laughs> oh, okay. Have fun. So, I, so I will be back. Just contemplate uh, 
some more topics. We got planes, trains, scooters, bicycles, walking. Well, I, yeah, I thought we were going to do all like, the public transportation, transportation and stuff. Yeah. That's what I prepared for. Like uh, car stereo. And different, different modes of transportation. Commuting, new cars, car shortage, uh, public and public transportation. I'll be back in like two minutes. Two minutes now. can do two minutes of biochem. Lali lalo, lali lalo. Luke, I am your father. <laughs> Oh boy, oh, that, that was intense. He's back. <laughs> All right. So, oh, let me make a note of where to make that edit there. Oh, yeah. That's Nothing one... good happened while you were gone. 113. Okay. Yeah, we're about an hour in. So, okay. So, welcome back. And. Okay, so you wanted to talk about, um, I wanted to briefly, while we were talking about motorcycles, I just wanted to put one more thing in here. Uh, when I sold motorcycles, scooter people were a different breed, let me tell you. Scooter people were weird. They come in here. I did not like dealing with scooter people. They uh, why just generally wasted a lot of my time and uh we're just super annoying and really high maintenance and did you uh, not have scooters oh we had scooters it's just those and jet ski people jet ski people were even worse jet ski people were the worst to sell to the worst customers by far no nah, well to be perfect okay jet ski people and uh people that buy spots side by sides you know the uh like the you know a side by side is right yeah. i think so you know like the the canam razors and all that kind of stuff oh like, yeah 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 so those customers were at those and jet ski customers were neck and neck for like the worst overall high maintenance bullshit like just like what give bullshit. an example so we have a frame of reference. 
so the the typical side by side fire came in haggled hard like you thought it was a car when you didn't know profit margins were razor thin on those things they were generally older guys that would come in and they would they were the type of customer so they would come in and they would ask questions that they already knew the answer to they come in they'd be like hey what's the how much gas does that gas tank hold and I'd be like, I'm not sure. I don't have all the gas tank sizes memorized. Let me go look it up for you. I'd be like, oh, I don't need, it's 13.27 gallons. Yeah. Why did you ask me that? It's, it's kind of the thing, you know? And they would come, they would come in and test drive it like two or three times and over like a three or four month, like, um, thing and they read all these reviews online which is fine they should read all the reviews and they should look at all the specs and all that stuff but don't come in and then ask me about the reviews and the specs and stuff you they probably knew more about the vehicle than i did as a salesman and they would come in and ask me questions about it and it's like you already did all the research yourself like i don't research every vehicle this intensely as as you do and you have way more time you're retired obviously you know but it's always like some yeah. old retired guy that had play money to spend and super high That's maintenance. Nice. And then jet skis, man, they they were they were just uh, they're just uh, kind of obnoxious douchebags to be honest. And jet skis, you also had to sell them the trailer and register the trailer, so there was like a bunch more paperwork you had to do for the trailer, usually, yeah. and they just. Uh, they were just really weird high maintenance and and they're just not the same as like a motorcycle rider just the the guys that came in there for for motorcycles street bikes or dirt bikes were just much more down to earth and uh yeah but anyway sorry little side note little venting from years ago when i was a motorcycle salesman Okay, so let's see. We did fastest car, current car. So buying and selling, we could get into that. Um, new cars. Let's talk about public transportation because I think you have some good yeah. insight into this. So, oh, dude, I just thought of something. Can you imagine P Kenny Powers coming in to buy a jet ski? <laughs> With a leopard skin seat cover on it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, trans public yeah, transportation. That's, that's kind of how most of them were. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very Kenny Powers ish. So public transportation. Do you, so there is none in Idaho, right? Is that correct? Not, not really. There's like shuttles and stuff, um, but nothing that like would be advertised. Like even Butte County had like the Butte County Transit and buses and stuff like that I'm not, i don't see a lot of that stuff here even in boise which is the capital i just don't see that there's no subway or anything there's the train that comes through in different places and people take the train yeah but i think as far as public transportation that's about it and it's either that or, or walking um i see a lot of people walking yeah I, mostly everybody's it, in cars it's more spread out too isn't it than 
when you were in California? Yeah, it's it's way more spread out. I think that's a big reason why, you know, we have a lot of these Midwest kind of areas that are, you know, these uh, a lot of farming and stuff like that. It's like, how are you going to, it doesn't seem economically viable to have these, you know, public transportation infrastructure in those places, you know? We, you have the, this uh, Boise and greater Boise area, which is having one of the biggest growth in the United States and the, the infrastructure is just struggling to keep up with how much growth is coming in here. Like everything is getting closer now. Um, yeah, I think, and, sorry, go ahead. It's, I just, it's difficult to like even navigate on the roads. There's so many cars on the road think it would benefit from some type of public transportation to get at least some of the the vehicles off the road yeah i think there's a threshold there and it it is in like the big cities you know that's where that infrastructure makes sense but in these like rural areas like uh you know we both lived in butte county for a while and stuff the public transportation yeah i mean maybe like downtown chico and stuff you know like with all the college kids of, of a bus or something's a good idea or like a train or you know some kind of thing like that but it costs a lot of money to do like a train and and yeah rail, rail system and uh it's so weird because like uh, all the other countries they they heavily use their trains like look at like china and india they heavily use the train india especially you see those videos of just packed trains like people everywhere on the train well just uh you probably don't know this but i just want to go over it the about a hundred years ago when gm i think gm was the worst of them but the all basically all the big car companies back in the day especially gm uh like a in the Bay Area specifically, and I think all over the nation, they basically went to the cities where there were like electric rails, uh, like a yeah. lot of uh, privately owned electric rails, by the way. Um, and they would buy up the company and just shut it down to sell cars, to that sell was... their their new technology, the cars. And they wanted That's everyone legit. to buy cars. And it did just, just like really dirty business technique or uh, tactics right and right. and all the rails got shut down that's why the oakland uh what is it the oakland port or whatever like like the rail thing is such a it's like a it's a bad neighborhood around there because there were all these jobs around the rails you know and all the jobs went away and that's you know same thing in like south central uh there were all these jobs making cars and all the they shut down all these car factories and then nobody had any jobs and now there's drugs and crime and you know they're bad neighborhoods now or orville orville's another good one all the jobs went away after the dam was built and it became the meth capital of california so sorry a little side note there but no so gm was very dirty in their tactics and they closed down all these public transportations which were which were largely electric um so they hindered electric technology from advancing. They basically converted everything to like buses and sold buses instead, which are at the time were not very clean running. They produced a lot of smoke and carbon in the air and they were 
you know, smelly and loud in comparison. So we had some very shady business happening in the United States that didn't happen in Europe. And that's why Europe has also, that's a, one of the reasons why Europe has such a superior public transportation system compared to ours. And now we have, you know, when we do have buses that they're unpopular and they're now run by the city because the bus lines and all the public transportation that did survive basically didn't it they went out of business and the city had to take over and use taxpayer money to keep keep them going and that's why we have like shitty kind of bus services that don't run very often and stuff in the cities but it really is only in the cities that they're have the usefulness at this point sorry I went off on my on my little <laughs> on my yeah history oh, rant good, there. good. But uh, we're out. We're in such a wide open area. We have so much land in the in the United States, and Europe is such more densely packed. Oh yeah, it's condensed. That and like Japan and all these places, China, all these places that it makes a little more sense to have cars here. But I think our public transportation would be a lot better if we didn't have such shady business techniques or. Yeah. 100 years ago anything to add well, India, yeah but china is so so vast too and they mainly have like the high-speed trains and the public transportation buses subways the major cities uh, maybe because people can't afford cars i don't know yeah china is a interesting place they're gonna eventually take us over i think uh, if, if the they wanted business realm if they wanted to, I mean, if you look at World War Two, let's look at World War Two. Like it was kind of like the industry that it was mechanized warfare. So you had to have industry to build these machines of war, and that's and the technology and the machines were what were giving the advantage. Well, China has kind of like all the technology and the and they definitely have the industry to produce the machines of war. If they ever wanted to go to war with us. Like they have the population, they have the people to throw at us, they have the the industry to throw at us, they have the resources, they have everything. Like yeah. it would be a very tough a battle, hard, hard fight. Yes, I think it would be. I, a I think in the end we'd still win, but it'd be major casualties on both sides. Oh Probably yes. more for China because there's so many people over there. Yeah, we would have. I don't know. I don't know if we could together like we did in world war ii they would have to attack our homeland because once once they attack our homeland that's that's and what we are one yeah that was the turning point it's like they, they attacked pearl harbor and it was like oh you want to come to our house and, and start some shit huh <laughs> you done messed up well okay let's do it <laughs> we're in now so but uh no Ch china is an interesting place, but yeah, they have um, obviously a lot of labor rights issues, and I would oh, not, yeah. I would not to be want to be, as far as I know, I would not want to live in China, uh, be a Chinese citizen, or have grown up there or whatever. I think we have it much nicer in the United States. What about Taiwan, places like Taiwan? 
I don't know enough about Taiwan to be honest to answer that question. That was China. I don't know. That's the people that didn't agree with what was going on in China. One thing about uh, uh, Brandon was mentioning the Hyundai cars. I think Hondas are actually pretty good. I don't mind the Honda. That's and that's a uh, uh, South Korea, of course. Yeah, um, but they they don't even. I mean, they have that, but they usually use public transportation or they walk. They yeah. export. That's a major export of South Korea. Yeah, and they're but they have like super efficient public transportation systems, subways, buses, high speed trains, and like for the closer trips, that they all use bikes instead of yeah. having a car. I mean, it's pretty rare to have a a car. You must be like rich or something. I compare them to Japan, and they are like they do the majority of the people in South Korea are from Japan. Uh, they are like Japanese blood, basically. Um, yeah. Okay. So, like, they have a lot of that sort of heritage that they brought with them, the industry and all that kind of stuff and, and traditions and stuff that they brought with them. But uh, I would not... So, I compare those to Japanese cars, in a way. But I would not yeah. buy a Kia. Kias have garbage engines. Do not buy Kias. Sorry. Sorry, Kia. They're not going to sponsor my podcast now. But... <laughs> No, I would not buy a Kia. Dang it. I'd buy a Hyundai. I would not buy a Kia. So you would have no Kia? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Just not that clear. They are the opposite of the Nokia phones built in the 90s. Which we will <laughs> gladly have your sponsorship. Yes. Nokia brick phone. I will take your sponsorship. Indestructible. <laughs> I actually kind of wanted to get one. Just feels like you can still hook them up to, uh, you can still use them, technically. Yeah. But uh, for phone calls, yeah. If you wanted to, uh, what do you call it? Disconnect or whatever. What do they call that when you when you when you get rid of your smartphone? Uh, There's a term for it. I don't know. It's too early in the morning. I'm I'm slightly hungover. Had a lot of caffeine. A lot of caffeine. Getting into the wine last night? I did. We went wine tasting. Then we went to a party and I had some trying to be healthier, so I had a, a hard seltzer instead of beer. <laughs> um because right. it has like no sugar in it. And then yeah. So I'm so, a little, and then I had oh, more wine another... when I came home. Another point I thought of uh, for, you know, public transportation being so heavy in Europe is that their car tax is freaking crazy big. Oh, and, and their charge... and their gasoline prices. Yeah, are... gasoline, and they charge you by the sil- how many cylinders you have in your vehicle. So you hardly ever see any like V8s or anything out on the road. You see these little you know four bangers everywhere because that's how much they they get they can afford because the tax is so crazy you hardly you know if somebody has like a v6 they're probably a, like a rich person is what everybody assumes so mm-hmm. the tax is is high and so people would rather just take the train or the subway the metro or yeah. a bus or and walk they all, and they all have manual transmissions we're the, we're the only country that has 
uh, like mostly automatic transmissions. It's like the and, opposite over there, or in most and over there, countries. that's just called standard. Yeah. Um. So funny story. I was, I when I worked for the car rental place, we had a guy come over from England, and we had to show him how to use an automatic transmission. Yeah, I'm sure he got it quick. <laughs> He'd only driven manual transmission his entire life. He's like, you yeah. guys don't have a manual? And we're like, nope, they're all automatic. Because why would an American rental car company have a, a manual transmission? It's uh, easier. And we're like, yeah, you put D, that's drive. That's reverse. Like, R is for reverse. He's like, oh, okay. He's like an old guy, too. So it's kind of hard to teach him. But but yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, uh, I, but I am not going to miss my manual transmission. When I oh yeah, and stop and go commuting. So, but anyways, so anything else to add about? Uh, I know you lived in Europe. What would you say about anything else you'd like to add to European public transportation or transportation? Um, no, it's just it's just everywhere. Every other country, pretty much in the world, has extensive public transportation systems. I mean, you look at somewhere like Russia, you think, oh, cars. Yeah, they do use cars, but they also use the train a lot, um, for, especially for their long-distance travel. You don't see people going in their car to do, like, a big road trip. Yeah. Um, places like Moscow and St. Petersburg, they'll have, like, super big metro systems that are used a lot. And you see cars everywhere, but I think they have big taxes on cars, too. Oh yeah, I know like, in uh so in Asia where they have a lot of motorcycles are huge in Asia as a mode of transportation. So where was it? I remember if it was Thailand like and stuff like I yeah. think it was Thailand. So Thailand, it's like the same thing with a car. If you're over a certain CC, like um uh size engine basically. Yeah you it costs like a lot more like a ton more so people have all these like 125 uh cc sport bikes and stuff that are like super hopped up they like make them go faster and stuff and then they go race them and stuff but you don't see like a even a 600 which is considered kind of like a a smaller sport bike in this in this country you would never see that like that would be same thing you'd be a rich guy if you had a 600 you'd be rolling it yeah. like so that's another thing that uh and commuting so california is the only state where you can filter lanes or lane split as they call it uh yeah every other state i didn't know this when i moved to other states and i was basically riding around illegally Cutting through, I, I think I went right past a cop one time. He didn't pull me over, luckily. Yeah, because everybody does it. Everybody, yeah. every state. And it's just, it's to me, it's bizarre because I grew up in California, and I just that's what and motorcycles do. That's they they just go in between. And I think it is slight. It's safer in some ways, more dangerous in others. But it's safer if people expect you to do that. It's not if people don't expect you to do that. Yeah. So the changing lanes without looking and not using your turn signal, like very quickly changing lanes, that's um, you shouldn't be doing that anyways. 
but that's probably the most dangerous situation for a lane splitter, a motorcyclist. However, if you're in between two cars and they're not paying attention and they rear end you, they're going to push you into the car in front of you and you're going to get sandwiched between the two cars on a motorcycle. So meat sandwich. That's where I think it's safer to. And my that happened to my brother actually. He got sandwiched between two cars. Luckily, they were going so slow, and the bike was structurally sound enough, and it was such a slow speed that it just stopped the car behind it, and it didn't really actually damage the bike. Um, That's good. Must have been really the, slow. The, like the plastics and the exhaust. Or really got, tiny cars. But I don't think it bent the frame or did anything like that. Yeah. So, speaking about that, here's a here's a point for my big ass SUV. I was on the freeway the other day, and I don't know what it is about people that have to look and see flashing lights, especially if it's on the other side of the freeway, which you don't even have to deal with. And the people in front of me, everybody started slamming on their brakes to look at what was going on on the other side of the freeway. And I was like, crap. So I slam on my brakes. I have threshold braking, so I don't, I'm not going to crash into the person in front of me, and I have a nice you know, bubble. And the person behind me, I heard the screeching tires and I knew she had locked it up. And she, if I couldn't, you know, finesse my brake enough that it, she was going to hit me and she hit me and it was like a little push forward. And so we pull over, I look at the damage, my door opens and closes in the back, which is fine. They, I don't see really any visible damage except for maybe a few scratches and, um, on the, my vehicle, but her, like her, the front of her car was all TP'd in and it was like all messed up and i was like dude i'm really sorry are you okay never She's say like, that yeah yeah never say i'm sorry that's an admission of guilt what well, i said i'm really sorry you hit me i i wouldn't say sorry at all but yeah go on i'm that's sorry okay <laughs> but i i made it i was like are you okay and she's like yeah i am and her her car's all busted up and i was like here i'll just take your insurance just because that's what we're supposed to do but i don't even plan on telling my insurance anything about this there's like almost zero damage on my side and this happened to me before when i was in college the first time like in the late late 90s you know i i was in flagstaff and my vehicle it just there's this freak snowstorm and then the roads were like ice and i was still in like oh it's dry roads driving i went to turn make a left turn and my vehicle started sliding and there was a big suv in front of me same same situation i tried to put my vehicle in reverse didn't have nothing happened i tried to everything i could to i mean i couldn't turn or do nothing i was just sliding into it so i hit it and then they looked and they're like well it looks like we don't got no damage sucks for your car though because my front end was all tp'd and um so yeah so Plus points for having a, a big vehicle with a lot of mass to absorb, you know, shocks from smaller things that are going faster. Yeah. Yeah, there's 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 definitely a little value there if you get in like minor fender benders. But what I would say is that a lot of like my mini Cooper for all of its flaws and its high maintenance costs and all that stuff, it is built by BMW. And it is actually a pretty damn safe car. It has like all the side airbags and all that stuff. I mean, I would be safe, but the car would be like totaled in an accident, you know? 
yeah. like for sure. Whereas like those big cars, uh, you'd probably be safe as well. Like they have crumple zones and all that stuff too. But like <laughs> yeah. those little minor fender benders, yeah, they're not gonna a uh, a little fender bender is not gonna total a big car like that. It's just too too big and heavy and has like a frame designed for towing and all that kind of stuff, you know. So you're not gonna bend the frame right. as easily. Exactly. So. But yeah, so Anyways, yeah, I could go on about accidents, but uh, I think I'm going to call it for today. Do you have anything more to right. add? No, it's good. It's just everybody, except, I mean, there's countries like Brazil that have, they're similar to us, their primary transportations are cars, um, especially in the large cities. But they still have the public transportation, like like much like we do. Yeah. There are, there are places like the United States out there, but most countries, it seems like it's pretty good public transportation that they have in yeah. the in the industrial world. I, I didn't look at like like countries like in Africa or. Um, I'm guessing the like kind of third world countries, if you will, like they are not going to have the funds for infra infrastructure like that. Would be my guess. Yeah, that's that was my thought. Is I mean, it could have been presumptuous of me, but. I just stuck I think to it's like gonna, the... I think that's more walking, bicycles, um, yeah, less expensive modes of transportation. Probably motorcycles would be probably be the fancier way to get around. Like India, like full of motorcycles, little scooters and stuff everywhere. Oh yeah, those little cart cart motorcycles. Yeah, the, like moped cart things. Yeah, and like yeah, so. And I honestly, I've been thinking about getting a motorcycle. Uh, I could get because I don't have to go on the highway to get to work. I was going to get a Grom, which is like a little 125 cc uh, little bike. It's it's not even freeway legal. You can't even take it on the freeway. But they get like 120 miles to the gallon or something. Yeah, Vespa but, man. That's but it's getting cold out. Fuck that shit. I didn't get fucking riding in the fucking cold and shit. In the heat in the exactly. summer. Right in the cold. I wear like a. I wear. I wear dress casual to work. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm not working in like construction. A, a big coat. Yeah, I don't know. It would be nice to lane split because I'd be able to cut through the traffic and cut a lot of time off. But is what it is. So. All right. That's all I had for public transportation. All right. Well, I think we've been doing this long enough. I think this is a good yeah. one for today. Um. Yeah, I really just wanted to do it because I got my new car, uh, new to me car, and I've been enjoying it, going through the process of selling my other one, which is uh, painful. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's taken a long time to, to uh, it's getting a lot of, I mean, I lowered the price so much that I'm getting a lot of people looking at it, but um, yeah, man, selling stuff is and buying stuff is just a pain. I just decided not to deal. I looked at so many cars that were just completely misrepresented on their advertisements. And I go and look at them in person and they're just absolute garbage cans. And people just want way too much money for them. The market oh, yeah. just sucks right now really bad. So I just decided to kind of bite the bullet. I probably paid a little more than I wanted to for the car I got, but I at least knew it was from a reputable source. They at least like, 
or were giving me what was advertised and I could at least trust them. These guys on Facebook, I can't trust on Facebook marketplace. You can't trust them even on Craigslist. Yeah. I looked at several cars that were just fucking trash, absolute trash. And, um, yeah, people are greedy. It's, it's those guys on marketplace. I'd rather get it from a used car salesman. He's going to be more honest than these guys on, on Facebook marketplace. You really got to watch your ass on Facebook marketplace. But Miklovich, this is capitalism. It's like, uh, everyone's like, oh, I know what I got. Price not negotiable, you know, like, don't lowball me. It's like, but you're asking, it, all these guys would be asking, like, full blue book value, like, the car is in perfect condition, and there's, like, fucking body damage, and the engine makes noise, and, you know, everything's wrong with it. And they're asking, like, like full blue, anyway, I'm sorry, venting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's end this. Um, all right so thank you matt for joining this is a little um different one we had brandon dip out about halfway through and uh hopefully we'll get chris in here next in two weeks from now we'll think of some topics to do otherwise thank you matt for for joining me and brandon this morning and thank you for your input That is the end of the episode. If you like what you heard, please give us a follow and you'll be notified when new episodes come out. Thank you for listening and have a good day.